Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Binus, and I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm joined today by my co-host. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Katie Elson, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. All right. Well, today we are going to have a very interesting topic, and we're going to be talking about core beliefs. And this is uh, really important in order to understand ourselves better and how to have effective change in our lives. And we're actually going to have a two-part series. Uh, So uh, this is part one of that series. So we hope that you get a lot out of this one, but you'll get the most out of it if you listen to both parts. All right. So in order to understand core beliefs, we first need to understand that core beliefs are part of addressing mental health from a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint. So Dr. Katie, could you maybe give us a brief overview of what we're talking about when we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, aka CBT? Yeah, so I think um, it's helpful to kind of picture a triangle, right? And with this triangle, we have our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. And those three components are essential to who we are as human beings. And so they're all connected. That's why we we see them in a triangle, which means if I want to change my emotions, which is often a very common goal of, of therapy and of mental well-being, I want to be less depressed, less anxious, less feeling guilty or ashamed and so forth, then I know it's kind of like an equation, then I can change my cognitive, my thoughts and behavior, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy. So those are the three main components um, that we often look at to say, okay, I want to change that in order to have a better mental well-being. And, you know, this is one of the most common types of therapy. Maybe we'd probably say probably the most Mm -hmm. common. And the reason for that is because it works really well. Mm -hmm. Actually, from my understanding, uh, it's the most effective type of psychotherapy when it comes to addressing depression, anxiety, OCD, and many other disorders as well. Yes. Have you experienced that in your own clinical practice as far as as seeing the effect, the positive effect of CBT? Oh, yes. It's extremely effective. And as you mentioned, for many disorders. And so it's really, I, I like to view it as a toolbox that really anyone can use. Some people are like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. Everyone can use the tools. Um, How effective it is alone. Some people need additional tools, but for sure it's kind of a, I like to say, you know, for me as a therapist, it's the most evidence-based and most effective uh, set of tools that I have um, for my patients. That's great. And I love how you said it really, in a lot of ways, it's for everybody. And Mm -hmm. even if someone's not struggling with anxiety or depression, I know I use CBT techniques a lot on myself Mm -hmm. because that self-talk is hugely important. So, you know, one thing that I often think about when I think about uh, CBT, other than the triangle you mentioned is what we call the ABCs. And this is where we might kind of connect the dots a little bit more with that whole core belief element. Uh, what, what what are we talking about when we're talking about the ABCs of CBT? 
Yes. And one thing I just want to say before we continue, a lot of our episodes are really, um, you know, just shoots from CBT. So we talk about Choose Life, which is a big component of behaviors, changing our behaviors. We have a lot of episodes on changing our thoughts. And so we won't do a whole little segment on ABCs, but there are other episodes that's important to to listen to and to watch because that's already addressing a lot of the other components of CBT that we won't cover in today's episode. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of weave it in to <laughs> a lot of different things that we talk about. Yeah. So when it comes to the ABCs, um, we think about a way, um, A, being activating event, B, being beliefs or thoughts, and then C, the consequences, which can include both behaviors and emotions. And oftentimes we think the A causes the C, right? Mm -hmm. The situation made me angry. The situation made me stressed or anxious, but it's not, right? Yeah, like like that dog barking outside my window is what, you know, not only woke me up, but it set the tone for my day and made me super angry. Mm -hmm. And now I'm angry the rest of the day because of that dog. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes I joke with some clients of, you know, especially with couples therapy, like my husband, right, did this. And I was like, well, if your husband said the same thing to me, I wouldn't get angry. Why? Because it's the beliefs, it's the interpretations Mm. that we have that are really crucial to then having the consequence, whether emotions or behavioral. And so understanding the ABCs help us understand what I need to change. Sometimes we can change the situation and that's great, but many times we can't or we need to focus on how we respond to our life, how we respond to the situation. And you know, I, I love there's in uh, the the book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl talks about like, you know, there are different people in the concentration camps that responded differently to the situation. Mm. And he says he's everything can be taken away from man, but one thing, and that's the freedom to choose how to respond. And I love that because that gives us hope, right, for our mental health. There's so many things that happen to us that we cannot control but CBT teaches us, I can have the power to choose how to respond. I love that. It's a very empowering concept. Mm-hmm. And when we think about, you know, like you said, the activating event, it's like everything that happens in our life, we do filter through our belief system, mm-hmm. right? And so depending on what we believe about what is happening to us or, you know, occurring in our lives right now, that really hugely affects then the C part, mm-hmm. the consequences, right? And so like you said, we do have a choice there. And mm-hmm. that's where it seems like that choice is connected with our belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little more about that. Uh, you know, what what are we actually even talking about when we're talking about core beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I like that we you know, talked about ABCs because a lot of times as human beings, we focus on the C. Mm. We're very focused on behavior modification or we're really struggling with our behaviors, our emotions, and we're trying so hard to change those. Just stop, right? You know, New Year's resolutions or other things. And we're very genuine about that. But we're not getting to the root of the problem. Now, partially that root is the thought in that situation, but there's something even deeper that's feeding our thoughts, our behaviors, and our emotions. So I like to think about our thoughts, behaviors, and emotions being a top, like a tree, right? Mm. Our tree branches or fruit of a tree. But if you trim the branches 
what happens eventually if you never deal with the roots? Yeah, well, then <laughs> then it's just going to come keep coming back. The same yeah. issue, the same kind of fruit, if you will. Yeah. So a lot of my patients who've had therapy before or have even had CBT before, if they've never addressed their core beliefs, the roots, they the, their issue either comes back or they generally describe. And so if you're listening, you want to tune into this. If you're constantly struggling with the same thing over and over again, let's say you're doing a thought record, you're changing your thoughts over and over and over again, and it works in the moment, but long-term, you're still struggling with that thought. You're still struggling with that addiction. You're still struggling mm. with um, a lack of healthy habits, whatever it may be. It's probably because you haven't addressed the root that's feeding that consequence of emotions or behaviors or even negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking about it and maybe you have another analogy that works better. I, I just thought about that one about the dog barking outside my window because sometimes my dog barks outside my window. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, let's say the thoughts. So, so obviously that's the activating event. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, the belief or the thoughts in the, in this, this scenario might be, oh, that stupid dog, he's doing it again. And he mm -hmm. woke me up and I always get, I never get to, to sleep as long as I want because something always happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of the thinking that might go through my mind. And then the, the consequences of course would be the frustration and, mm -hmm. and the anger and just like, you know, setting the tone for this negative day throughout the day. So how could this kind of relate if, if I didn't change my thoughts you're saying, okay, yeah, that might help, but sometimes you need to like step it down to a mm -hmm. deeper level. Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Yeah. yeah. Cause, Cause I might say, well, you know, like maybe a, a thought might be like, you know what? Hey, um, I just want to be positive today. And so I'm going to think about other things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen and move on with my day. And that might help, mm -hmm. you know, but is that really addressing my core belief or is that kind of mm -hmm. like almost dealing more with just the thought and then moving on, but then maybe I'm going to keep having frustration. Yeah. So it could be possibly in that situation. If you just are frustrated with the situation itself, it could be simply just a situation, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, the dog's barking. And that is annoying. That's valid. Right. But let's say if you're doing the thought record and you're writing down your thoughts and you realize you're like, oh, the dog and it's my day is going to be horrible and nothing good happens to me, then and that's a pattern, not just with, let's say, that situation, but later on, oh, you know, my patient then said this to me. It might be an underlying core belief, life is unfair, right? Or um, sometimes a really negative one would be, I'm worthless, and that's why no good things happen to me. Mm, so that's okay. where we start saying, hmm, is there something deeper, right? Sometimes it really can be just a situation of, oh man, that dog woke me up and yeah. I was having sweet dreams. And then <laughs> it kind of startles us and it kind of, you know, gives us those emotions in that moment. But then we calm down and it slides we off. Move on. Yeah. So we're talking about not just kind of those simple frustrations of every life that we move on, but these patterns that yes. we're seeing, is that kind mm -hmm. of like the red flag that we're like, okay, maybe there's something a little deeper that needs to be addressed here? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So to define it more specifically so people know exactly what we're talking about is core beliefs are deeply held, rigid beliefs that we have about ourselves, about others, about the world, about our future, and even of God. Hmm. 
And so when we say deeply held rigid beliefs, um, a good analogy for that would be like sunglasses, right? Sunglasses that we wear 24 seven, right? Gotcha. So if I have sunglasses that are blue tinted sunglasses, I see the whole world, everything that I do, everything gets filtered through that, including an annoying dog that's barking mm -hmm. in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Now, again, it could just be the situation and it's fine. But if I have that, those sunglasses, it's not just the dog, it's that patient later on, it's my wife, it's my child, whatever it is, right? Because we have those, that filter um, on. So what are some of the things that you see in people in general or in your clients that tell you like, you know, maybe there's some real kind of negative core beliefs or some core beliefs that are distorted that need to be addressed here versus like you said, just kind of this passing like thought of annoyance and then you get over it kind of thing. Yeah. So if you think about the tree, right, how do you know if it has rotten roots? You look at the fruit, mm -hmm. right? And with our lives, the fruit are often the ones we can most commonly see are behaviors. So for, exa for example, addictions, right? Addictions are often a common, it's a pattern in the way that we do life that would reflect, hey, there's some sort of root that we're trying to cope with by using those addictions. Um, and I don't mean just addictions of substance use. I mean, behavioral addictions. Mm -hmm. It could be addictions to control, perfectionism. So I'll give a quick example. A core belief, I'm not good enough, often results in the addiction of perfectionism because mm. that enough is a moving target. And so I need to do more and more to try to be perfect like because it's not just- work Exactly, stuff. Okay. exactly. Yeah. And that would, you notice with a core belief, perfectionism pervades all aspects of life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean you have to try to be perfect in every aspect, but in general, we see themes with individuals. Mm -hmm. um, but it also can be with emotions. You notice that there's a chronic pattern of certain emotions as well. Right. If it's shame, sometimes people have a core belief, I'm dirty. Right. And that can come from a, a history of trauma. Um, if it's a chronic experience of depression or other things, um, people who have PTSD or other things can have a core belief. The world is dangerous. Right. Because they've experienced a lot of trauma. Mm. So emotions, behaviors, but even cognitive distortions can help us the patterns in our thinking to identify our core beliefs as well. Hmm. So what gets fascinating for me is early on when I meet with somebody, I hear, I start hearing these different patterns of behaviors, emotions, thoughts. I don't know what their core belief is yet, but you start piecing it together and you go, hmm, I'm not good enough related to perfectionism, related to a lot of guilt, constant guilt, related to a lot of should statements and all or nothing thinking, mm -hmm. right? So that would be a pattern that all comes together. It's like a profile of an individual. So you get to be kind of like a detective yeah. in a way. Uh -huh. <laughs> and ideally, we want people to start becoming their own detective to start exactly. seeing these things. So so some of the things that you could see would be unhealthy behaviors, like with addicted to, like you said, not just substances, but power, control, mm -hmm. overwork, et cetera. Um, would sometimes relationship problems also yeah. potentially be a result of negative, especially if there's repeated patterns in relationships. Of course. Yeah. So for example, a core belief, people are untrustworthy mm. would result in behaviors of avoidance of uh, conflict resolution or poor boundary setting or um, overly controlling in relationships. So 
definitely, right? That's why we have core, we could have core beliefs. We have core beliefs in every area, but some people have negative core beliefs about self, uh, others, uh, the world, their future, or about God. Yeah. And that's interesting because when you think about that, then it's, but yeah, all those areas can then be colored. You know, our, our relationship with ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, just feeling just having this pervading negativity about ourselves or a relationship with others. And maybe it's a very conflicted relationship. Oftentimes there's a lot of volatility or maybe it's like Mm -hmm. withdrawal and, and a sense of, like you said, distrust, Uh, or, you know, maybe that our relationship with God, right. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with uh, that sense of distance from God or feeling like afraid of God, um, or even our, maybe our relationship like with the future. Mm -hmm. And so, so, okay. So this is helping me to understand better, um, how to really identify when we need to kind of start going and searching Mm -hmm. for some of those more core beliefs. Um, how, how are these created by the way? Mm -hmm. So they're typically created in childhood, Right. So if we continue the analogy of the tree, it's like the soil. Right. So the soil is the home environment. And for children, children are sponges. So it's like this vulnerable seed that gets planted in certain soil and they start absorbing those things. So typically in childhood, not always, um, but because they're vulnerable, that's typically when it happens or at times of trauma Mm -hmm. um, or repeated experiences over time. Right. So it's not just and this is important. It's not just a one time experience. Roots really start to take form as they're repeated experiences. Now, I like to also just highlight that with trauma, um, sometimes people think like, oh, I didn't have, you know, bad things happen to me. I have my core beliefs are fine. Well, trauma could be type A and type B type um, A and B, when we split them, it's like bad things can happen. Yes, that's partially what it is, but also can be the absence of good. Mm, okay. And that can really um, form and shape a child and their core beliefs, right? If they're not getting the nurture and care and love that they need, they might develop a core belief I'm unworthy or I'm unlovable. I had a client, you know, recently this past week, we were working on. Um, I'm unlovable because he never heard his parents tell him, I love you. Hmm. Right. And so it could be the absence of good as well. Wow. Yeah. And that's something that we often don't think about. We think about the more proactive traumatic experiences uh, that we might have. And, and, you know, even with that element of the traumatic experiences, sometimes we think it has to be this huge trauma, uh, Hmm. you know, maybe a, a rape or like, hardcore physical abuse or something like that. But I've also noticed for a lot of my um, patients and people I know in general, uh, that it can be almost like smaller, but repeated Mm -hmm. traumas. Um, And, you know, maybe even, and, and, and I do think it, personality also the personality of the child also plays a mm-hmm. big role mm-hmm. because some children can you can have two children grow up in the same home environment maybe mm-hmm. one child is just naturally a lot more sensitive mm-hmm. and the rough treatment of the the father really affects that mm-hmm. child a lot more maybe the father's not overtly abusive per se but they're just kind of like you know kind of rough and 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 the child is very sensitive to that mm-hmm. That do you think that would potentially shape the core beliefs a little differently for the one child as mm-hmm. opposed to the other? Yeah, what you're highlighting, there are a lot of factors that contribute 
um, to the formation of a core belief. Um, one common example that I see that even from very good intention parent is comparison of the siblings. Mm. So if you have, you know, let's say maybe you're um, the younger child and you're constantly being compared to an older child that's so successful and well off, then yeah. you can create the I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's a constant comparison. And, and again, good intention, like, oh, why aren't you like, you know, so and so or you should do this. And they're trying to encourage their child. But even small little things, but repeated over time. So it could be personality. It can be sibling order. It can be the presence of parents or their parents were not there or a divorce or other circumstances that just come together as the soil does and creates um, a combination of um experiences that lead to the core belief formation. Yeah. And I really like what you're pointing out there because, you know, sometimes, you know, thinking about this whole core belief and how it develops in childhood, if we have some negative core beliefs, we might almost say, well, you know, it's my parents' fault, my, mm -hmm. my you know, they, but in reality, yeah, they could have contributed, but we also have to look at the intention there too. Oftentimes mm -hmm. parents are truly doing mm -hmm. the best they can and, it's not going to do us a lot of good, even if we are like, okay, our parents contributed to this. I'm just going to blame them and be angry with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But understanding that um, can actually then empower us and to make that change. And it can also be teachers. It can be other people that are important in your life, siblings that tell you certain things. And then what I mentioned too, it can be, it can develop later on in life and adulthood by repeated experiences, especially those that are traumatic. So when I used to work with veterans, some of them, oftentimes they had negative experiences in childhood and then it was compounded also then later on. But there were some that had a, kind of a very strong, um, good, healthy set of core beliefs. And then they went into um, war and for years being in that environment created the core belief, the world is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Because and this is an important point too, um, oftentimes that core belief could be true in some element in that time of life, Yes. but it becomes overgeneralized and then you continue to utilize it um, to protect yourself, right? To know how to live in, in, you know, in, in your life, but then it's no longer helpful in other contexts. Absolutely. And that, that's a really key factor, I think, because we find with these beliefs, a lot of times there's, there's truth, truthful elements. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. why I think it can be so hard to identify them or even dispute them and change mm -hmm. them because part of our mind is like, well, no, I really have experienced like mm -hmm. trauma or whatever. And so the world is dangerous. But then, like you said, that overgeneralization is very mm -hmm. unhealthy. Yeah. So before we finish this part, of um, part one of our core beliefs uh, episodes here. What would you say? I know, I know we've already touched on several of them, but let's just give maybe a, a brief list of the, some of the most common core beliefs mm -hmm. that you see. Yeah. And then you can chime in too. Sure. Um, so kind of looking at the different categories. So for self, I would say that the number one that I hear for self is I'm not good enough. And that can apply in different ways. I'm not smart enough. I'm not uh, pretty enough. I'm not, you know, uh, capable enough. Could be different kind of. I'm not enough in one shape or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. I'm powerless. I'm helpless. I'm a failure. So those would be like the most common ones in the self category okay. of viewing yourself in a negative way. Um, and then 
for others, people are untrustworthy is probably the, the, the number one um, core belief that I see with people. Um, it can also be people um, are critical. People are judgmental. People are out to get me. Different. If you think about a lot of these are different versions of essentially just a negative view of people. Then for uh, the future, the, a common one, especially for depression, is the future is hopeless, right? And viewing the future as hopeless. So that's self, others, um, and then the uh, future, and then the world. So the world is a dangerous place is probably the number one um, that I see. And so some of these combined, if I view that myself as powerless and I view the world as dangerous, I live in a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. And then the last one, which oftentimes therapists don't cover, and it's actually extremely important, is our view of God, how we view God. And oftentimes is God is judgmental. God is critical. God is vindictive. God is unforgiving. And oftentimes how we view God is actually at the root of how we view ourselves hmm. and how we view others and the world and our future. Wow. So it's really important for us to understand how do I view God and how I view him will determine my other core beliefs. Yeah. And I'm even thinking, you know, a lot of people uh, really have that sense of like, God's not there or he doesn't mm -hmm. exist. And what does that tell us? Right. And yeah. then things are really scary. And yeah, it, it, yeah, there's a lot attached to that. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Um, anything else that you want to add on core beliefs uh, before we wrap up this part of the core beliefs episodes? Yeah. One thing that I uh, failed to mention is when, when they're being formed, right. We often, we've talked about this, I think in other episodes briefly, like confirmation bias, they're so deeply held and, and rigid because not only do they have elements of truth, but we start feeding them ourselves over time. Mm -hmm. So if I think people are untrustworthy, then I start looking for evidence to support that. Yes. And we engage in this self-sabotage, which we're not aware of. It's like, oh, look, see, oh yeah, I can't trust people because we're so scared of the reality of that belief. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, look, see, I failed that test. And we ignore all the evidence contrary to our beliefs. And that's why core beliefs are often untouched. And we continue in the cycle of difficulties in our mental health, or maybe we have some healing and then something else happens and triggers that core belief again. And so it's this is why it's so important to touch on core beliefs, because if we don't, they'll just continually to be fed over time and they'll continue to affect us in all other areas. And, you know, I love the verse that talks, says, as a man thinks, so is he, hmm. because it really heightens the reality of how we really view ourselves, others, God, so forth, will really determine how we live life. And so if we never address the core beliefs that we have, we'll continue to struggle in our lives. So this is huge. And mm -hmm. if we can understand what we're talking about today and learn how to address it in a healthy way, then this can be a game changer for our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're going to dive into for our listeners. Um, this was part one. So part two is going to be about really learning more about how we can identify our own core beliefs and then how we can actually change them. So I hope this has been helpful for all of you. Thank you, Dr. Katie, for mm -hmm. lending all your expertise and uh, we'll see you next time. 
So, if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this. If mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Binus. And I'm Dr. Katie Elson, and you've been listening to The The Brain Brain People People Podcast. Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 